Hello, welcome to the Apostle Frederick Kaluluma podcast channel. This Sunday, Apostle hosts a very special partnership service and teaches us on the unity of faith. The man of God teaches us the characteristics of unity and how it is the objective of the body of Christ to come to full union. He further teaches us how to come to unity through partnership with God. Get ready, here comes your word. Grab your Bibles, pens, and notepads as we join Apostle Frederick from the city of the Lord Church in Lusaka, Zambia. Be blessed. Let's start from Isaiah 16. I, I, I want us to understand that unity is all about partnering together for a common cause. That's what unity is really all about. And I want you to understand that partnership comes from God. That's something I want you to understand, that God is a God of partnership. God is always looking for partnerships. God is a spirit being. The Bible says God is a spirit. So for him to do anything on earth, he needs a partner. That's just the way it is. He's always looking for partnership. Isaiah 6 verse 8. Isaiah 6 verse 8. I just want to show you that God is a partnership God. And then I'll focus a bit more on how we can partner together. And thereafter, I'll focus on partnering with God yet again. Isaiah 6 verse 8. This is when Isaiah had an encounter. And Isaiah was taken to heaven. And in heaven, God had a question. And his question was as follows. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go? for us. Then I said, here am I, send me. God was, here is God, and God has got plans, and he's got plans, let's say, over Mr. Chelelua. But for those plans to be fulfilled, somebody needs to hear the gospel and preach it to him. Somebody needs to give the flyer. Somebody needs to go and sit and maybe have a counseling session. So God wants you to be that kind of person who partners with his agenda over other people's lives. You can see again in Ezekiel 22 verse 30. Ezekiel 22 verse 30. So I sought for a man among them who would make a war and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I could not destroy it, but I found no one. In short, God's intention was not to destroy the land, but in his holiness he was going to have to because of their iniquity and all those things. So God was looking for somebody to partner with him in prayer, by praying. So by praying, you're actually partnering with heaven's agenda over the earth. That's why the Lord Jesus taught us to pray, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's partnership. And let me show you one more. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8 Jesus is given, verse 9, Jesus is given the Beatitudes, verse 9. And Jesus says, 
Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Why would they be called sons of God? Because they are partnering with what God wants. God wants people to be at peace. And then you decide to partner and resolve a matter among people. You're partnering with God and you'll be called his son. Praise the Lord. And I remember watching something from uh, my dear man of God on the youth conferences. I think it was about two weeks ago. And he said something that really stuck. Uh, and he says, I made a decision when I was younger that I will be what God is looking for. So when I found in the scriptures that he was looking for true worshipers, I decided I'll be a true worshiper. When I found that he was looking for someone to stand in the gap, I'll be an intercessor. When I decided that he actually loves a cheerful giver, that's what I'll be. And I would admonish us to do the same. Be what God is looking for. You will never be irrelevant as long as you're what God is looking for. You will never lack relevance. You can never lack relevance. There will always be need for you. That's how come. Think about it. Despite the many, one of the first questions we're asked when we're registering this ministry is there are many churches. Why should we register you? And I said there are many people. Think about it. Despite the many wonderful churches in the nation, despite the many powerful men and women of God in the nation, God still found room for us. Because as far as he's concerned, the harvest is plenty. Laborers are few. God still found room for us. He still found room. Because as long as you position your heart to be what God is looking for, it's very difficult to go wrong. Even if, let's say, you are to make an error, it will be very easy for you to hear him correct you. Because you've positioned your heart to be what God wants you to be. And you're better off making a mistake trying to be what God wants you to be than sitting and doing nothing. Praise God. Now, in this same vein, we're going to look at the unity of the faith because this same God has got a desire and his desire is for all of us to reach the unity of faith. And uh, we'll focus it generally, and we'll zero down to today's Sunday, and you understand why we need to do such things. So Ephesians chapter 4, from verse 11, we are told why God has given us apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, and pastors. And there are many people who believe that the reason why God gives you pastors is to solve your problems. Now, allow me to say a few things. Because this will also help the ministry with our growth. That's at a lower level of revelation. You know, let's not call the church what Jesus did not call it. You can't function in the fullness of the authority of the church if your highest revelation of the church is that it's the hospital for the broken. You can't function in the fullness of the revelation if that's your highest revelation. It is true. That's why the church is there. The church is there to mend the brokenhearted. It's one of our assignments. But it doesn't end there. You must understand this. 
Even when you go to the university teaching hospital, not everybody there is a patient. Some are on training. Some are studying how to treat patients. Some are in administration. Others are in accounts. Others have opened a restaurant in the same place. What am I trying to say? We have to start thinking beyond. Each person that comes, no matter what the issue is, after we have dealt with it, even while we're still dealing with it, there's so much more God wants. God, God wants them to be involved. He wants everybody involved. We are beyond those things. We're bigger. You know what the word church, the word church comes from the Greek word ecclesia. And that's like, it's, it's like in the olden days, what, what would happen is that when an ecclesia meets, they've met to make decisions. They would meet to make decisions. They, were, they are like a governing body. It, they would meet to make decisions. That's, that's where the word for church comes in. And Imagine Jesus saying, upon this rock, I will build my church. There's, there's a way he's possessive over his church. Praise God. Now let's, let's, let's go. Ephesians 4.11. Uh-huh. This is a higher revelation of why God gives you pastors and uh, prophets and apostles and teachers. And, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Uh-huh. For the perfecting. A better word there is perfecting. Um, don't ask me what I mean by a better word. Eh? If you read it in its... Uh, English is a very limited language. So even if you see it in the KJV, it says for the perfecting. Perfecting is higher than equipping. Because there are many things we're already equipped with. It has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. But with perfecting, you mature that. You, you bring it to maturity. Give it to me in the King James. You, so that you see that the word is already there. Back to verse 12. For the perfecting of the saints. For the work of the ministry. Now, if you've already come with a mindset that church is not for perfect people, you have trouble because the assignment is for us to be perfected. So don't ignore the part of perfection. I'm just saying, sometimes we have to be very careful with statements we endorse. Indeed, it's not limited to perfect people, but never ignore the assignment of perfection. Otherwise, you'll be coming and walking out the same. You'll be coming just to feel good about yourself. I'm telling you, some people treat church as a place to feel good about themselves, and they go back and do everything they still do, and then come back and feel good about themselves again. Because God understands. Praise God. <laughs> and that's why I advise people to study the Bible. Because sometimes the Jesus in the Bible and the one in people's head, very different people. Very different. <laughs> Please ensure that. Eh? So it says, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of ministry. Why does God want to perfect it? Because we've got work. We've got work. We've got the work of ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ. Praise God. Let's go on. And do you know why? For example, do you know why we're going to fill up Mulungushu Conference Center? With the... 
and this one is just a what word can I use? It's just a it's a pre something, you know? So that next year's when we are allowed <laughs> next next year's when we are allowed to do what we can do. Now, here's the reason why it would be so easy. It's because you would do it. Each of you would do it. It says, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of ministry. I'm telling you, we get... So, till we all come in the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, Unto a perfect man. Unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. God wants us to be perfect. It's actually in the Bible. He actually wants us to come to a perfect man. And then the level that he wants us to get to is the level of Christ. That's actually the stature he wants us to reach. Praise God. And it says, till we all come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. When you read this, you will realize why foundation class is important. Why when we say, let's have foundation class, let's have conferences. You know what we're doing? We're putting everyone at the same level. We're ensuring that everyone has knowledge of the same basics. So that when I come in the church and oh, anyone else is ministering and we mention something, it's not strange to you. And from there, we can build on to a higher revelation. That's why when we advertise these things, don't be that one person who just doesn't want to do it. We're having baptism on Saturday. We're having baptism on Saturday. Somebody has been born again and they don't want to get baptized. You ask them, why don't you want to get baptized? I don't feel I'm ready. Are we reading the same Bible? Allow me to digress and talk a bit about this. As long as you're born again, you cannot be not ready for baptism. No, pastor, I'm waiting for baptism lessons. This is not the other church. This is City of the Lord Church. You have to follow how we do it here. I don't know if you're getting my point. You have to follow how we do it here. And how we do it here is that we don't see baptism lessons as a prerequisite to baptism. And we've got a scriptural reason why. Because in the Bible, at the moment you believed the word, you are immediately baptized. If it were up to us, we'd be baptizing every day. The reason why we don't baptize every day is simply lack of water. It's, that's a simple reason. How do I know? Do you remember the Ethiopian eunuch when he, when he invited Philip to his chariot? And Philip explained the scriptures to him. As we were traveling, the eunuch said, wait, look, there is water. What will hinder me from being baptized? So as long as there's the availability of water and an availability of somebody to believe, there is nothing that should hinder you from baptism. There is nothing that should hinder you from baptism. So when you, the moment you joined COL, think COL. 
the reason why it's done a certain way um, in other ministries, it's not that they're wrong. Many ministries use baptism as a form of membership. So the baptism lessons are practically not just baptism lessons, they're also membership lessons. Practically. It's more of both baptism and membership, but they recognize because in the, in the scriptures they were counted. Now, we've also got our way of identifying membership, and we do have those lessons as well. So what am I trying to say? It's not too late to register for baptism. At the end of the service, just write your names down. Or uh, in the next five seconds, if you can, flash the church phone number. And they can just send a text with their name and say baptism. And we'll call you. Praise God. It's not a complicated thing. Okay. So till we all come to the unity of faith. So make a decision that you won't be the hindrance to that. Eh? So when we say everybody say glory, what do you say? Praise the Lord. When we say praise the Lord, participate in the hallelujah. Don't be that tough guy who's always, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. What are you achieving by that? So till we all come to the unity of faith. Now, let us understand something. For there to be unity, there must be the presence of the following. Number one, there must be a vision. There must be a vision. Okay. A vision can be defined in different ways. I can give you three or four definitions of a vision. Can I give you a few? One of them I coined it. But generally, a vision is generally seen as in spiritual circles. A vision is generally seen as um, perhaps a spiritual blueprint, right? Like a spiritual bl- a blueprint. Like God gives you a picture saying, this is how I want things to be. And then you work hard to attain it. I can also define a vision as a very organized imagination. A vision is an organized imagination. At the end of the day, imagination is very powerful. It just, it, 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 it's just that others choose to daydream. And then for other people, their imagination is called a business plan. A business plan is an organized imagination. That has just, it, and a lot of concepts and the like have been put into it. But generally, I imagine this is the way the business will go. This, this, it, it's just a very organized imagination. It's just that for others, the imagination ends on a wish. And then for others, the imagination is developed further into a CV and a cover letter. I'm, I'm just saying. <laughs> A vision is a very organized imagination. There are, there are certain things in the ministry that we didn't necessarily need to hear the Lord say, do this or do that. We imagined where we wanted the ministry to be. And so we began to plan in the context of where we wanted to be. So I'll give you an example. Before you came to church one day and said, oh, wow, it's different now. We started imagining this how many months ago? When did we first talk about it? Last year, right? Or is it the other year? We imagined it two years ago, saying after a period of time, we want to change the look and do it like this. But we need to find the perfect this and then do it like this and do it like this. And we're still imagining for the next part. Because if you're a visionary, you have to learn to live ahead of your time. Like, well, everyone is still celebrating. Wow. Like, let's say, and it's one, one advice I'll give you, something that I was advised which really helped me. Every time I'll be having a meeting, be it service, be it 
church anniversary, be it WEM, be it Dominion Conference, there would always be a point at the meeting where I'm thinking how it can be better at the next one. So I remember I was having my book launch and Dyra turns to me and says, come on, try to enjoy the moment a little. <laughs> I would advise you to do the same. Sometimes enjoy the moment. But still keep a certain part of you. <laughs> Just when I walked in, I was imagining exactly how I want our building. I was imagining it. Praise God. Anyways, let's continue. So a vision is an organized imagination. So for there to be unity, there must be a vision. The vision can have short-term goals, objectives, long-term goals, all those things. Come on, you know that stuff. But generally, somebody has given me a look for no faster. <laughs> I'm not pointing at anyone. But anyways, you have goals. You have objectives. You have what you're trying to reach. You have a, sometimes a one-year plan, a two-year plan, a three-year plan. When I remember two very important meetings this year. When COVID hit, I received a phone call from Pastor Cholwe, and he calls me and says, come. And he begins to explain to me some of the things we can do to ensure the ministry. We don't lose anyone, and people don't lose their faith and the like. Then, after some time, he gives another phone call and says, come to the office. And I come, and he says, in business, there's what is called a business continuity plan. You're going to have to make a ministry continuity plan where you plan how you can still achieve your objectives for the year despite the spirit which has been. Hmm. That changed my life. That's why I'm very, I'm public about my honor because honestly, I don't know. <laughs> At some point, I really didn't know how we're going to handle. I was telling someone saying, if anyone began pastoring this year and they managed, God is with them. There is nothing. <laughs> I was talking to Pastor Daniel and Pastor Gomez. <laughs> we were having a discussion and we are saying, you know what? Guys, there is nothing that will ever shake us in ministry again. Thriving. Not, not, not surviving. But thriving. Are you hearing the powerful testimonies which are coming out of a year like 2020? Are you hearing the powerful testimonies? Praise God. Let's continue. So, for there to be unity, there must be a vision. And we can see Proverbs 28, verse uh, 29, verse 18. The Bible says, where there is no revelation, Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no revelation, Okay, let's have it from the KJV first. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Give me the ESV. Do we have the ESV? Do we have it? Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. Give me, um, let's see the NIV. Then finally, good news. Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. Good news? There's a, there's, there's a word I'm looking for. A nation without God's guidance is a nation without order. Happy are those who keep God's law. If you read several versions, do you know what you're going to find? There's one that says, 
where there is no vision, the people run wild. Like everyone just does what they want. For example, if we don't have a vision of how the service should be, if we don't have a vision of what we think testimonies are, then every testimony will just be somebody coming to practice a song. Where there is no vision, people run wild. So, when there is a vision, there is an opportunity for people to participate and be united. Praise God. And the Bible tells us he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or imagine. Above all we ask or think or above all we ask or imagine. And I said you can decide to have an organized imagination. Number two, the second thing that brings unity. And by the way, these are principles that you can also apply if you are running a company. These are principles you can apply if you are running an organization. These are principles you can apply if you are running a family. You can apply these principles anywhere. If your people have not gotten both for a ministry, people must get a spiritual connection to it, but they must also have an emotional one. I have had people visit my office who are from the corporate world, and then you are talking to this person, they are trying to convince you about a product, and you can tell that the owner of the company has sold this vision to that person, such that they even have an emotional attachment to that person, to that, to that product and that company. And if the company wins an award, even if they don't get a single way out of it, they are happy. They are saying, yes, we are the best. Meaning those people have sold the vision so well to the people that the people have an emotional attachment to it. If you are running, let's say, an NGO or something, the people have to have some form of an emotional attachment. Sell the dream. You have to sell the dream. Sell it. Show them how an improvement of this company will improve their lives. Show them how they can achieve their goals and plans if they can help this company achieve its goals and plans. Show them how this company growing and improving will determine what kind of school they can take their children to or determine how much Loola they can pay. I'm telling you, they will work. They will work. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Another thing that is needed for there to be unity is oneness. Is somebody following? We'll just take a bit more time on the word. We give and we're done. Oneness. John 17 verse 21. And then afterwards, give me Nehemiah 4 verse 6 from the Amplified. John 17 verse 21. The Lord Jesus is praying. And this is what he says. I pray that they will all be one. Usually give me NKJV. I pray that they will all be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they may also be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. If we want the world to believe, there must be a oneness. The world must look at us and we must be in sync with God and in sync with each other. I'll say that again. We must be both in sync with God and in sync with each other. So here it is. There is a vision. And then in the vision, there are people. And then these people must be one. They must be one with God and one with each other. Praise God. Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 6, amplified version. Now the reason why this scripture is highlighted is because Israel was going through a terrible time. 
They had just come from captivity. Not much was expected of them. But look at what it says. So we built the wall, and all of it was joined together to half its height, for the people had their heart and their mind to work. You see that there was oneness because there was both the heart and the mind. And that's why if you've not learned to also emotionally connect with the ministry, you'll find some things irrelevant. You must have some emotional connection. If people don't come to church, you shouldn't think it's the pastor's duty. It must bother you. It must bother you. It shouldn't just bother us. You must have an emotional connection. Praise God. And let me give a few principles when it comes to this oneness and how it can be cultivated. Number one, there must be tolerance among us. Tolerate other people's personalities. Many of us here will be pastors. Who do you think will pastor all those branches? Many of us here will be pastors. If you know there's that calling, some of you don't know, we'll force it. (laughs) We'll say, Father, call him. (laughs) Call him. Here is his number. Anyway. (laughs) And some of us are pastors at different levels. At department level. All that is um, at, at any level. You're still pastoring in a way. The biggest thing you might want to develop is the virtue of tolerance. Because people have different personalities. And then others are also just still working on certain things. So you might want to have tolerance. Apart from tolerance, in the way you relate with others, leave room for their growth. Let me tell you what I mean when I say leave room for their growth. I think I was talking about this uh, for those who are privileged to have my number, I think you saw it on my WhatsApp statuses. If somebody here is saying, Pastor, I'm your member and I don't have your number, or you don't have mine, just send me a message with your contact. <laughs> like, save it in advance for me. <laughs> if you want, at the end, put C-O-L. If you want my number, it's a very public number. Just ask any of the team. They'll give it to you. I mean, you should... You should have it. You should all have it. Anyways, I was talking about this. I was saying, learn to leave room for other people's growth. There are some people right now who have helped me, who 10 years ago knew nothing of the areas that they're helping me in now. Leave room for people's growth. And you know, sometimes the hardest people to notice that they are growing are people who you are mingling with. You can't tell somebody's skill is improving. You can't tell somebody's skill in interpreting the word is improving. So let's say we were to say, because we're going to have Yam Sunday. When is Yam Sunday? Uh, I don't remember the date, but it's in November or October. One of the two. It's in November, right? Or October, one of the two. We'll announce it. Let's say they bring uh, one of the 16-year-olds to preach. And you were there when that person was giving their life to Christ. We then gave you to disciple them. And they preached the word. And if you're just like, ah, I was there. You know what you're doing there? You're not leaving room for the fact that a person can grow. A person can grow. Didn't David say that he's become even better than his teachers? What were his teachers doing? Did they stop studying? <laughs> I'm telling you, leave room for people's growth. Praise God. 
In the praise team, somebody may sing Chilea one day. Leave room for their growth. The next time they ask to lead, don't, don't, don't block them. Leave room for people's growth. But also work on yourself to grow. Eh? <laughs> Leave room for people's growth. Always do that. So any person that you're seeing, look around, look next to you, look to the right, look to the left, look, look behind, look in front. That person won't, with this kind of word that's impacting them. Don't expect them to always be at that level that they're at. I'm telling you, you might be looking at your future branch pastor. I'm telling you. No, think about this. I pastor my mother. I literally came from the womb there. I don't know if you're getting my point. Leave room for people's growth. Your young sister, your Yo, that baby niece you keep posting, that might be the person who God might use to give you a very powerful word. Your son, your daughter, leave room. Even in Joel, it says your sons and daughters will prophesy. As a matter of fact, delight when people grow. In this same vein, one thing I must advise is this. Never partner with Satan, with Satan's agenda of a person's life. Let's say there's a person in the ministry before pregnant, before marriage. And you do your best, firstly, to ensure that everyone knows. I mean, eventually to show. Come on. But then you do your best to ensure that church is the most uncomfortable place for them. You know what you're doing? You're partnering with Satan. Because Satan's next agenda over them is now to condemn them. What Satan does is this. If Satan uses Judas to betray the Son of God, the next thing Satan would do is make Judas feel so bad about it that Judas will go hang himself. That's his work. That's what he does. So, even in the context of a person being restored, never partner, ne- never partner with Satan's agenda over them. Praise the Lord. If a person needs to be restored, be that person who can listen. Be that person who can encourage. Be that person who can rebuke. It's part of love. Love doesn't delight in evil. But the one thing you should never do is make them feel less of a Christian or make them feel like they cannot belong or they cannot recover. The Bible is clear. If any man falls into trespass, those who are spiritual should restore. You should partner with God by helping to restore. Praise God. And finally, when it comes to oneness, we're still on the second point of oneness. Always allow others to participate. Allow others to participate. This is, if there's an area, I was doing a class with uh, Dr. Cholo, and he was teaching a few things on leadership, and there's something he said, oh my goodness, it stung me. (laughs) It was a month ago. It was during the COVID period, I decided, let me work on myself more. And one of the things that he said was, don't create a culture where you're the only one who does things. And he gave reasons why people end up being the only one who do things. And some of the reasons were reasons such as not being able to see the potential in others. Or sometimes you just enjoy doing it. I was like, yeah. You know, you just enjoy it. But here's what you can do. Without denying yourself opportunity to participate, 
don't deny others opportunity. Sometimes you may even have to sacrifice a few opportunities of yours just for others. We can never all grow if you're the only one. Praise the Lord. Praise God. So, find room for others to participate. Find room. And then others, when you're given to participate, don't be like that person who you're in the department, they say, this week is your rota. It's your turn. That's the week that your phone, I don't know, you just become the busiest person in the world. Your phone is the most unreachable, as in there's never been an unreachable phone like yours. (laughs) Don't be that person. Sometimes, it's easier to give people who avail themselves. I was going to say the next thing that's needed for there to be unity is that you have to have a leader and you have to have a structure. Let me give you the verses quickly because I must end. Psalm 133 verse 1. Psalm 133 verse 1 up to verse 3. Behold how good uh it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Uh Let's go on. It is like the precious ointment poured on the head that ran down the beard of Aaron. And came down the collar and the skirts of his garment. Verse 3. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. A few things that you see from that. First is, have you noticed that it's all downward? It's all downward. That's showing a structure. For there to be unity, there actually has to be a structure. The Bible says they all match information. No one breaks rank. There can't be unity without ranks and structures. They can't be. Some of the hardest organizations to manage are where there are three people occupying the highest position. Oh my goodness. There always has to be some form of structure. Especially at the very top. There has to be a bit of a structure. And you notice it flows from Aaron's beard going down. And even on the mountains, it what? It descends. So there has to be a structure. Let's bring it home. The next thing that's needed for there to be unity is that there must be a common language. Genesis 11 verse 6. How many of you have observed that if people meet each other, and please not. Um, I, there are certain things that it's not even tribalism. Have you observed that if people meet each other and they both speak, have the same mother tongue, sometimes they'll probably like each other's company because when they meet, they can greet in that tongue that no one else can understand. Of course, now also remember they allow others to participate. Eh? <laughs> but I'm just saying, there is something about a common language. In case, that's why when they wanted independence in the nation and they wanted Zambia, one Zambia, one nation, they said, let's have one official language. A language everyone will be able to speak. There must be a common language. Genesis 11 verse 6, this is God speaking, and I want it from the Amplified. God speaking concerning the Tower of Babel. 
And the Lord said, behold, they are one people and they all have one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. And now nothing they have imagined. Have you seen that word again? Imagined. Nothing they have envisioned. There's no vision they will have. Now nothing they have imagined they can do will be impossible for them. And this scripture also qualifies when I say vision is an organized imagination. Because their imagination was very organized. To build a tower, you need a lot of calculations. So they had one language. And what did God do to scatter them? He messed up their language. In the ministry, learn the language of the ministry. Learn what we mean when we say this. Learn what we mean when we say this. Let's speak the same language. And you know something? Beyond speaking the same language, let's think the same language. Because sometimes it's not really the language you speak. It's the language you're thinking. Have you ever heard a person say, like if a person is very used to Nyanja, and that's their initial language, you'll find in the first days when they're speaking English, they'll come and say, um, I, I came to see you tomorrow. I came to see you tomorrow. Why? Because in their head, they're thinking, Nabuya kukuona mailo. So they are thinking Nyanja, but they are speaking English. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I remember I went to pray for, when I was in South Africa the first time, there's a lady who had, like, there's a little child actually. She had, you remember her? The one who had deaf ears? You were there. And I remember when I was praying to, for her and I asked, how is it now? And she's like, I can hear together. They are together. Why? She was probably thinking in a language. All these deserve a series. I hope leaders are taking note of these things because you have to now go teach them in detail. So there must be a common language. Then all my people will say, in my city. (laughs) And then, finally, there must be something you are giving to, okay? There's an aspect of giving towards something. In Acts 4, verse 34 to 37, the biggest need of the early church was a bit different from now. Do you know what the biggest need of the early church was? The early church did not have Sunday services like we do. The early church decided to live together as a community. So the biggest need of the, holy, of the early church was more of meeting the community need of food and, and of all those things. So here's what happened when they wanted to meet that early church need. Let's go. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked, for all who are possessors of lands and houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things which were sold Uh and laid them at the apostles' feet that they distributed to each one as they needed. Let's go on. And Joseph, who was named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country. You see, everyone, it just mentions that they gave. This guy, it mentions his name. There was something he must have done. Look at what he did. Having learned, sowed it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. This guy was even given a name. Then the next people who are named are in Acts chapter 5. And they are called Ananias and Sapphira. Because they are the only ones who decided to not to be disunited. You know, they could have just stayed away. But instead they decided to come and lie. They could have stayed away. It's like people who would rather stay in a place and fight the vision. 
Why not just leave then? No, as in, why stay in a place if you're going to fight it? And just disturb everybody else. And Ananias and Sapphira were eliminated by the power of the living God in the time of grace. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> they messed with an area you don't mess with with God. They messed in the area of giving. Imagine, somebody comes here and we believe in partnership, we believe in offerings, we believe in tithe, and they decide to form a sect of people that we are against ABCD. Why don't they go and start their own ministry and see if it will survive without partnership and offering? <laughs> I'm telling you, it would be very difficult. Finally, brethren, I would like to mention that whenever God wanted to do something physical on earth, he asked the people to do something physical. And I will show you. God wanted a tabernacle. And he didn't tell Moses, 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 clear the land. Make sure there is no one nearby. And then at zero one, the tabernacle will fall from heaven. Boom! What a miracle. That's not what he said. It's only the city of the Lord that will come down like that in the book of Revelations. However, well, we are still here. Let me show you the pattern he showed Moses. The pattern he showed Moses was Exodus 25 verse 2. Look at what he tells Moses. This is the God who has everything, who has not changed, who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He says, speak to the children of Israel that they bring me an offering. From everyone who gives it willingly with his heart, you shall take my offering. And then he didn't go on to just like... And there. Some people wonder, sometimes, why do you have certain projects where you specify, we're looking for 15 people to do this? Look at the next verse. And this is the offering which you shall take from them. Gold, silver, and bronze. Uh-huh. Blue, purple, scarlet thread. Fine linen. God said he didn't want yellow. Sorry for the department. We didn't want yellow. I just it, it just came from my head. <laughs> it just came from... Don't worry. One of these days, I'll also... Uh, <laughs> I'll put a yellow tie. Okay. <laughs> he didn't notice. He was very specific, meaning this was not their normal offerings. If you read in Deuteronomy, there are certain places that he set for their normal offerings. This one was specific, and he said, This is what I want. But I want us to see how these people responded. They shocked me. Exodus 36 and verse 5. Exodus 36 and verse 5. And they spoke to Moses. The people who are in charge spoke to Moses. Saying, the people are bringing more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord commanded us to do. Next verse. So Moses gave a commandment and they caused it proclaimed throughout the camp saying, let neither man nor woman do any more work for the offering. I've never heard of this. I've never heard of this. Where the pastor said, guys, watch it out more. That's all. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Meaning, when it comes to projects, we must overdo it. Let's translate it to the next project. We must overdo it. Let's finish the project. Like, whitewash it. <laughs> Give it a whitewash. And especially in the coming year, there will be a number of projects. Let's make sure we always whitewash them. And here is the blessing that comes with giving. The blessing that comes with partnership is there is a corporate blessing. Nobody lacks. 
there'll be a corporate blessing. And we want a corporate. We don't want one person testifying, the other one is not. There's a corporate blessing. And when you read 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, and when you read it in the Amplified from verse 7, the Bible is very clear. Chapter 9. And verse 7, it was flowing. Uh-huh. The Bible is very clear. It says that each one give as he has planned and made up in his own mind, purpose, not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion. For God loves, he takes pleasure in, he prizes above other things, and is unwilling to abandon or do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt to do it giver, whose heart is in his giving. Next verse. And God is able to make all grace abound. This is what he's able to do. Every favor and earthly blessing to come to you in abundance. So that, hey, I said to come to you in abundance. Someone would ask, why do you link the blessing materially to giving? We didn't create the link. It's in the scriptures. You know, it's so sad sometimes that someone doesn't mind us sharing what the scripture is saying about the Lord healing your heart. But they want us to say what the scripture is saying about the relationship between the Lord and your pocket. Praise God. And guess what? Your heart is not always here. Because the Bible says where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. <laughs> the one here is an organ. So, <laughs> and so that, now look at what he's able to do. He's able to come to you in abundance so that you may always, somebody say always, under all circumstances. From the testimonies you've been hearing, have you been noticing that despite the kind of year, the Lord has kept people. The Lord has prospered people. Had it not been for the Lord, where would we be? And it says, always under all circumstances, meaning this one is beyond whether the dollar goes up or down. No, it's beyond those things. It's beyond what a human being thinks about whether you should have a job or not. Your destiny goes beyond the hands of man. It now goes into the hands of promotion comes from the Lord. Well, the day they want to sign you off, the hand just can't move. Just can't sign you off. I'm telling you, your destiny is not in the hands of man. Somebody say glory. glory. For someone, that's your rema. That's your sword to fight with. Your destiny is not in the hands of man. And it says, always, under all circumstances, whatever they need be, be self-sufficient. Meaning God's aim is beyond you just being able to give. He wants you to be self-sufficient. Yeah, he wants you to live well. It's not a sin to want to live well. I'm sure you saw in the play. The lady seemed to be doing quite well. He wants you to be self-sufficient, meaning possessing enough to require no aid or support, and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. God has plans for you that you should be self-sufficient and still be able to do the work of God in abundance still. Not sparing, but in abundance. Ladies and gentlemen, the unity of faith. Praise God. Thank you for your people. Thank you, Lord, for their participation in a service such as this one. Thank you, Lord, for we are united. 
Thank you, Lord, for we are of one heart and we're of one mind. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Now in the name of Jesus, Lord, bless their storehouses. Bless them financially. Lord, may none lack among us. All those who are running businesses, I speak that grace, that grace that multiplies customers. Just as we have multiplied in membership, I speak multiplication in your business. You will record profits you could only dream of in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray even for those in the world. I pray, oh God, that you open up further opportunities, further opportunities to enhance their careers, further opportunities for promotion, further opportunities. Give them favor with man in the name of Jesus. I pray, Lord, that you meet people not just at their needs, but also at their wants. In Jesus' name, I bless you. You are preserved. You are preserved on the road. You are preserved in the air. You've got no reason to fear. You can't be in an accident. Declare it impossible for you. In the name of Jesus, your properties are preserved. Your mind is preserved. Your health is preserved. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, even as I pray over your families, that may the Lord extend this preservation to them. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Oh, wow. What a service. I have been so blessed and I know you have been too. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. You can reach the City of the Lord Church on 0 If you are unable to call, you can email us on thecityofthelordzambia at gmail.com or reach us on Facebook at the City of the Lord Church. Stay blessed.